Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures. Let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Oda with X-Growth, and today I'm talking to Pep Laya, founder and CEO at CXL, Spiro, and Winter, about how B2B brands and companies can break out of the bland messaging and branding cycle and truly distinguish themselves in the eyes of their customers and prospects. Now, this is a pretty special episode for me because Pep has a tremendous amount of experience when it comes to creating companies and brands that really stand out. I mean, he's done this multiple times for his own companies. When you look at CXL, for example, you think of the best destination for marketers to upscale. Or when you look at his agency, it's known as one of the best conversion optimization and now customer experience optimization agencies out there. And more recently, with Winter, he's focusing on messaging optimization for B2B companies. Now, not only he has all this experience, but he's also been a mentor to me early on when he probably didn't even know it himself and later on when we started working together. And I've learned a great deal of things from him. So this is a super special episode. Let's dive in. Pep, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for the kind words. That's it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's great to have you over here. Let's get started with differentiation. Let's first of all, I'd, I'd love to define differentiation and talk about what, you know, I feel like there's a lot of different d- d- definitions out there. When you're thinking of def- differentiation, how do you define it? Well, I have a very simple definition. It is how you stand out from the noise. And by noise, I mean other companies in your category, how you stand out from all the other options. And giving people a reason to choose you over all these other businesses that you're competing with. Okay. All right. So, so that, that's interesting because let me ask you this question. You hate the term unique, unique selling proposition. Isn't that, isn't that all no, about differentiation? No? I'm okay. not, I don't hate it. Uh, I just think it's outdated. Because, you know, if we go back to the roots, where does the USB originate from? And it's... It's basically made for TV advertising in the 1940s United States. And back then, there was so little competition that by saying, my toothpaste is, you know, whitens your teeth. And that's your unique selling preposition right there. And nobody else, you know, everybody else was like cavities or fresh breath. And they all had their unique thing. Now, every single toothpaste is whitening, you know, and, you know, fixes the cavities and breath and everybody does everything. So... So the world has dramatically changed. You cannot own a single idea and just we do that and nobody else does that. It's that's gone. Right. So that and that's why you, you don't think that people should focus on unique value proposition anymore. Or it's you really just sell Really not doable. You can't have a single statement that will set you apart. I mean, it's technically possible, but practically not. You know, in theory, you could be like winter for now actually has a unique selling proposition because we literally have no other company right now that does this because it's so new, it's innovative. However, fast forward two years from now, I'm sure we'll have multiple competitors doing the exact same thing. And then me saying that we do this, it's, it's not unique anymore. So we need other things. So what do you think companies should focus on? I mean, if, if uh, I mean, we've been ingrained, the USP model has been ingrained in the business school and, and the way people think and, and, and marketers, or even salespeople or business owners. So 
what is what is the alternative? What do you what are you suggesting as an alternative? Things have just gotten more complicated. You just need more things now. Like you, just, you cannot differentiate or on a single thing. So, or technically it could be. And I mean, there are many ways to to differentiate differentiate, and we can go you know uh, over all of all of these options that are out there. Just it's hard harder to compete on a single attribute. It's like, of course, with positioning, positioning is not real. It happens in the mind of the customer. So you can own an attribute in the customer's mind while also others being also doing that. So an example of that is like this web hosting company called WP Engine. It's a WordPress hosting company. So now they're a giant company, ginormous, billions. So when this started, maybe 10 years ago or something, then they say, oh, it's fast WordPress hosting. It's super fast. It's like, can't believe how fast it is. And people were like, oh, yeah, great. And they started signing up. And that was, they owned that attribute. If you want fast hosting, it's WP Engine. Today, obviously, there are like tens of WordPress hosting companies competing on speed. And I don't, I don't even know if actually WP Engine is the fastest. It might not be. Maybe it's like, you know, in the top 10. But they own that attribute in the mind of the customer. So that's one of those things. Like, they were the first to position in the mind of the customer. So that's called attribute leadership type of differentiation. So that is still possible. However, now, if you go against up against, if you're in the same web hosting category, you go up against WP Engine, you cannot compete in speed. It's taken. It's gone. So yes, you need feature parity. You also need to be fast and possibly actually in reality faster, but you need to compete in something else. You know, there's need to be, there needs to be another dimension to you because well, awareness that you exist is everything because it's the, the trusted choice, the safe choice, all that stuff. And if I already have, if let's say I'm on WP Engine right now and you say, hey, switch over, it's fast. I already have one of those. I don't need it, you know. And so I also, I'm not looking for you. So I will never find out that you even exist. And if you if you come across... If your your messaging is the same as the, your category leader's messaging, you will never get anywhere. Like if you build a new Mailchimp in email marketing, and you do, uh, oh, we send beautiful newsletters, we, you know, marketing automation, and you know, oh, I already have all of those things. You know, any any email marketing tool does those things, so there's no reason for me to choose you because I'm I have already something that I I know I trust. Switching is, you know, inconvenient. So, if 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 you have a new, something something so a single parameter that you can compete on, go for it. But it's just I'm saying it's just too hard. Uh, there, there's a bunch of stuff that's going on that you need to take into account. Interesting. What are your thoughts about? I mean, there's there's another school of thought, right, that talks about distinctiveness, and they talk about, hey, it's not forget about differentiation and that's you know probably byron sharp talks about this quite a lot yeah. and they talk about hey forget about differentiation you have to be distinctive what, what are your thoughts on that totally well his argument stems from the same thing that it, he's saying basically it's it's not impossible sorry it's not possible to differentiate anymore that's what he's saying so instead you got to be st- distinctive so, you know, DHL owns the color orange and, you know, like there's certain things. So I think he's, he's on point that, uh, yes, you definitely don't want to 
look like exactly everybody else because like we have this zeitgeist like all SaaS sites you know look the same they're blue and sense. uh yeah and the, the the doodles the cartoon guys and like the intercom is one of those you know like they have this there's this trend i don't know how these trends start but there's a zeitgeist and if you look like anybody else you're not visually distinct and also if you're not you know there's visual distinctness distinctiveness and there's also then um messaging so the world that we live in actually has a massive sameness problem and and that that is why distinctiveness is so important so the way i define sameness is that it's it's the combined effect of companies being too similar in their offers like we do marketing automation uh in their branding that they look like any other website and also indistinct in their communication because it's all like a vanilla too afraid to take a stance. Uh, they always use the corporate polite language. I'm not saying you have to be impolite, but like if you just sound like everybody else, again, like I will not notice you. Because if you are a category leader, you don't care about differentiation at all. Amazon, does they does Amazon say what they are and like explain? No, they don't care. Shopify doesn't need to care. MailChimp doesn't need to care about it at all. It's all this all-in-one platforms, you know, like uh there's no, like, what is they even about? But the fact that we know they exist is everything. Or Salesforce. The Salesforce, like, what kind of a CRM is it? I don't know. It's like everything CRM, right? And, oh, so if I'm a challenger brand and challenger brands need differentiation, now I need to explain how am I different from the category leader and, like, the reason to choose me. You know, obvious choice Some for some is like, oh, we'll just be cheaper. We'll be just like them, but cheaper. And that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, it's like a short-term thing. I mean, sure, you, you should be a little bit cheaper, potentially, uh, but it's not a sustainable competitive advantage unless you actually do have some, some sort of a structural advantage. But if uh, if others are able to offer it at the same price or lower, I mean, it's insanity to compete on price. And, and down the line, your expenses start to go up as you hire more staff. And you, if you start getting bigger and then you quickly realize it's, it's just not sustainable. You need to increase prices to, to scale your business. So I wouldn't recommend competing on price unless you can really cut the price compared to the you know traditional option somehow. Okay, so I think that's a good dovetail. Talk about where do I start? I mean, you know, I, I would I would imagine a lot of people who are listening are not from some of those category leaders, the Salesforce mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, all that. So where should I start if I want to really, especially in the B2B space, just because you said that the corporate veil and, you know, that, that, that politeness and all that stuff dulls everything in that mm -hmm. space, where should I start? Where is a, I, you know, I could be a business owner. I could be head of marketing. I could be director or CMO. Where, where, where should I start with, with distinctiveness and differentiation? Right. Well, I think a good starting point is that first of all, you need to understand your identity. Like, what am I? What are we really about? That helps you. That's like a guide to to make decisions. And then you also have to realize what are the things you can practically compete on, and how you can be actually different. So you you need to know how what is Salesforce about, or whatever category, and if you're email marketing, what is Mailchimp about, and and let's say top two, three in in your category. So you map out how what are they competing in, which attributes they own in the mind of the customer. 
once you've mapped out like what are they doing and what do they look like and how do they speak, you will you will now know like that's not what we're gonna do. And then you also have to realize that if you're a software company, you cannot compete on features, like that you have these features that others don't. Because that is a it might be a transient advantage, meaning that for a short period of time, but anything you do that is successful, they will copy it. Or same with like for agencies, oh, we offer this cool new service that nobody offers. Well, if people, if the market wants it, everybody will offer it. And like, it cannot be that we do CRO or we do SEO. You know, like if I would start a new agent, SEO agency now, and I would say we do SEO, I'd get left <laughs> out of the room. Like, why would anybody, like they already have an SEO company. Like there's millions of them. So, so you, you cannot be by features of like your service offering is not what you do unless you're an innovator. That is the only way. Like, so as I mentioned earlier, the winter Nobody else does what we do. We're kind of an innovator for now, but the co- the copycats will be coming. Uh, so it's just only a matter of time. So it's a transient advantage that we have. So if you understand that features is not what you can compete on, uh, then then like what is it? And and small subtle differences is not enough. So if it's some people say, oh, we're also an A/B testing tool, but you know with us. You can set up A, B, C, D tests. So you can do that with any other tool. Also, like if you go land with that, I don't know if they care about it. Or you might have some like, oh, in our wizard, we get it. Or we have this other cool thing there. Like this is like small, subtle details that most people don't care about. Like you can't differentiate on that. And so what can you differentiate on? So I think the long-term best way is your brand. And your brand stands for a set of values. You stand for something. And, you know, brand is not who you say you are. Brand is what they say you are. So the the real question to answer is, like, what does it say about the buyer when they buy me? Like, who am I if I, what does it say about me if I drive a Range Rover, you know? Uh, Well, I mean, probably got money. Uh, Maybe I like to adventure. Maybe I'm posh. Maybe I'm self-important. I don't know, like there might be like this. Para- We're making these assumptions, right? Or if I buy Patagonia, you know, clothing, like what does it say about me? Uh, I mean, I might be a VC bro with my Patagonia vest, but it also might mean that I believe in sustainability. I care about the world. I hate Trump. You know, all these things. Whereas some other brands might have the opposite meaning. So it's like a self-identity thing. And in B two B, that's increasingly true as well. So like in email marketing, let's look at ConvertKit. ConvertKit, in many ways, it looks like the Me Too product. And I've signed up then, used uh, used it, then deleted my account because I was disappointed with the feature set. Yet they're very successful, growing crazy, growing like crazy, because uh, they have an appealing brand identity messaging. They're for creators. So if you identify with that, then I'm a creator and, and, and you know, and, and they, they probably on a feature set level also, they understand that demographic. I was kind of like, like turned off by, I was underwhelmed, let's say. And I guess I'm not a creator. I, I mean, great shit, but I'm not like that type of person, whatever they say a creator is. Uh, so, so brand and also, so, so brand is like a set of values. So like good example is in the United States, there's this coffee company called Black Rifle Coffee. They sell coffee beans. Coffee beans is a commodity. Everybody sells coffee beans. And competition is super tough, right? Because like you can say, ah, oh, like it's freshly roasted. Well, so is everybody else. We like 
ship it out the same day as we roast it. Many companies say that, but like 20, 30 companies do that. So there's, mm-hmm. you kind of compete on freshness. Everybody is the freshest. But they say, well, we're pro-gun and pro-military and you know uh, all those things. We're, we're serve people who love America, which I think it's a closet racist hint. <laughs> so, <laughs> so certain white men are very you know appealing, find that messaging appealing, and buy their coffee beans. You know, not because the beans are any better. Beans are just a show. They buy the value. Who am I? I love America and guns. I buy this coffee. You know, mm. so. So that's what you want to think about. And and your competition, they can copy anything overnight, like your features, whatever you do, your processes, but not your brand. They cannot copy your brand. There are, of course, other modes that are there that take, you know, network effects and then, you know, like all kinds of, there's a really great book called Seven Powers, which are like the seven types of modes you can have. It's amazing. I highly recommend that one. So... Uh, well, let, let's talk about then some of the, so once you've figured out your brand and competing on brands, so there's the being the first to do something with the original, like real thing, Coca-Cola, the original first to market, right? So even if I buy a cheaper cola or whatever, my local cola, I know it's not the original, you know? So so that the, the idea <laughs> of original goes can go a long way. Of course, I don't know in B2B SaaS, which since it's less traditional, it's more future forward. Facing, like, I don't know if the original CRM, like, do you care about that? Probably not, probably don't care about that. Mm. So you need to, like, also, like, calculate, like, what makes sense? You know, like, some companies do compete on heritage. Oh, we've been having this vineyard for, you know, five generations. And my grandpa, you can have a great story. But, in again, in tech, heritage, I don't know. Probably, probably not, not as much appealing. Either. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's probably it, it probably even like you know is is a bit negative in in tech. It, it could be. It could it's be like, negative. Oh, yeah, that's like, old school. If we look at like yeah, like drift, you know, like what did they do? Like what kind of conversational marketing and bots and like forms suck because forms old, you know. And now they come and of course the automated support bots is even worse than forms. But hey, drift's <laughs> doing great, you know. But it's the new. It's story. the new thing, right? It's, it's the, the new thing. thing. Although there is the the, you know, the classic hype cycle, I think. Oh yes, bots, live chatbots. Everybody's on chatbot conferences, and then people are slowly starting to realize they're like pieces of shit. <laughs> so we were over promised. <laughs> it's kind of like was the segue was supposed to revolutionize transportation, and then it was like, what the yeah, fuck that didn't fuck happen. Is this thing? Uh, we don't want that. That didn't happen. Yeah, didn't happen. But you know, uh, you talk you talk about heritage, and you touched on story, right? You know, in today's when you send. I woke up and read your newsletter this morning and you had the quote from Ben Horowitz there where oh, yeah. you talked about, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but the, but your story is your advantage or something it's like your strategy. that. Your yeah. strategy. So what do you, what do you think he means by story in that, in that quote? Because he's probably not talking about heritage, like what we talked about here. No. What do you think he's referring to when he talks about story? Yeah, I can't really speak to what he exactly meant there. But the way I understand it and interpret it is that when you, and this is more about strategy and less less about story, is that this that drift is a great example here. It was like you know forms are just bad, and we have a better way to handle this because because uh, also what what is happening that world is real time. We live in a wor- real time environment like text messages, instant chat. Uh, you know, people at conference, they're all on their phones and you know doing whatever, whatever. And so the idea that you send fill out a form and now wait for 24 hours for a response that that time is 
gone. And now there's a there's a new idea. There's a there's a new way. The world is changed, and in order to be relevant and competitive in this new world, you need to adjust to this. You know, and so that's why you need drift. That that is the story, and the the, the strategy is that there's a change. Well, the story is that there's a change that is already happen, happening, or already about to happen, already happened, impending two dooms upon you unless you change and adapt. And you, you sell that story. So that's how I interpret it. That's interesting. I think there's a really good article on Medium. The I think it's titled The Best Sales Pitch Ever or something. Oh, yeah, like Andy that. Raskin. Yeah. 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 Have you seen that? And, and that, that, uh, yeah, you I know, love he, all of his stuff. He talks about that, right? He talks exactly, about the, the taking that approach. Narrative. Mm-hmm. That's right. Of t- take, talking about the big change that is coming and why you need to adopt the exactly because, like, if you change. most marketers they lead with pain. So, like on my website, it's like ah, like you're losing money every single day, or like, or they do the we deliver leads thirty percent faster. You know, like they're like there's like one like we're better because of this feature. And that makes people skeptical or resistant, and they don't want to be sold. However, when you say there's a there's a there's a change happening, and then you you just need to adapt to it, then then they're more likely to they're more receptive to the message, and then you're not competing against the same old the features when you when you do the the narrative design, but uh, you're you're competing on a story or a narrative. You have like a point of view. It's the same as in category creation. Most companies can't do category creation because you know it requires millions of dollars. So, but we can all whip up a story and uh, and uh, what is this change that has happened? And multiple companies can use the same same change, right? Like Zoro subscription economy in our agency, Spiro customer experience uh, agency, we use the story of the retention e- economy. If you look at what's all happening, is like VCs value companies on retention, and then like if you have high retention, you get better valuation, and like customers are not in the business. Customers that are focused on the short term gain actually lose out versus who have a long term view and so on. So you need to adapt to this retention economy that we're already in, and so multiple companies can use the same story, and then you just just if, explain the context of how what you offer where it fits in. So that that's how story is your strategy, and you can definitely compete, you know, on the story. Yeah, I love it. Okay, all right. Look now, if if our listeners could only take one thing from listening to this episode, what do you think that should be? The main thing is like stop competing in features. Look at the category leaders, the top three biggest companies in your category. What are they saying? And like, are you obviously clearly different is there a reason to choose you and the 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 reason can be that you're more niche which is also fine because like you can expand out later you know dominate a niche first and in the end i would also want to say that awareness is more important than differentiation so over the years invest in your brand and your uh the awareness the fact that people know that you exist is everything that's such a good advice and i feel like we lose track of that especially in in some of the the marketing space where we're very focused on demand gen, we're very focused with acquisition, we're very focused with tactics. And we're like, oh, I found this feature on LinkedIn that I can just get customers this quickly, or I found this hack here 
where brand kind of gets pushed out. And, um, and I'm not saying they're not important. They're definitely important, but you know, it's, 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 sure. it's, a, it's a, we need a, we need message. a balance between the short and the long, you know, mm -hmm. like we need the short to immediately feed ourselves and the long to also keep our, uh, you know, feeding ourselves 10 years down the line. And there's been some really great research that's been done uh, on this by um, B2B Institute researchers. Le yeah, biz, biz, yeah, lesbian um, field, and, and fields. Field. Yes, that, that's right. That's right. I yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, they're saying for most companies, you want to put 60% of your money in brand advertising, like long, mm. and 40% in the direct response or the performance marketing. Uh, and then it obviously varies based on the stage that you're at and all that stuff, but like 60, 40. Yeah. I mean, for, yeah, I think for, for B2B, they're saying, I mean, if we're going to get really specific about it, I think it's 48 and like 52, the, the ratio, but you're right. Like the, the brand ratio is a lot, lot larger. And again, you go different categories, it changes. Now, before we wrap up, I have a couple of rapid questions that I want to ask you short answers. Let's sure. go through them. Okay. So what is one resource? It could be a book, blog, podcast, a talk, whatever it is that fundamentally changed the way that you work or live. Ooh, uh, re most recently this, uh, this last year I read who, not how the book and it dramatically changed my paradigm of how I think and operate. I was always struggling with scaling myself. Not anymore. Okay. All right. Thanks for, thanks for that. Question number two, if you could give give one advice to b2b marketers what would be just one advice differentiate all right done <laughs> number three what are the what are the influencers that you follow in in the marketing space or or in, in general in the sales and marketing or, or growth space yeah I, I don't think i have any creative names here you know andy raskin we talked about him for messaging I'll follow him uh for B2B SaaS stuff in Jason Lemkin, but you know, so does the whole world. I guess I'm check out on what Dave Gerhardt is up, up to. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Sounds good. That's awesome. I mean, you're, you're quite heavily involved in the B2B space. Yeah. I know some of the, some of the stuff that you're doing is in B2C, but when it comes to B2B, whether it's in your, you know, your own businesses or some of the stuff that your companies are offering, what is something that excites you quite a lot these days about, about B2B? What excites me personally about B2B is, is message testing. So, you know, like we do all kinds of data-driven stuff. We have analytics and session replays and, you know, whatever, whatever. But the messaging that we put out there to try to attract our customer, we're not really testing it. We just put it out there and then hope for the best. So I'm really excited to just make message testing part of, a, you know, a normal type of analytics work any, any marketer is doing. Yeah, and and we'll we'll definitely because winter is as I told you before we kind of head record. I'm definitely le really looking forward to testing it, and uh, we'll we'll definitely leave a link to to it in the show notes for for people to check it out because uh, it it sounds awesome. I can't wait to give it a try. Pep, thanks so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. It was a it was a good time. Same over here. Hey, it's Alex again from X Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. 
If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.